Welcome back to the Social Distance Podcast. We've still got we've got three hosts in three different time zones, so it's been like herding fucking cats trying to get us together, but we are. We wrap up the Australian summer. Fill down under, Cadells. What else? I like how we always start, or you start the intros with a complaint, or there's something going wrong, and they always start <laughs> off with really low expectations, and it's, it's a you? tactic that's worked. Yeah, do you think? Well, good. Uh, so I was going to say, if you... You're giving me shit. You can do the intro, but... Um, I'm not giving you shit. I'm just calling it out. You threw it back to us. I threw it back to you. <laughs> Jeez, you've been angry lately. <laughs> what do you reckon, George? Is oh, I just out? saw the fence, but yeah. <laughs> I can't stop looking at Sam's face. <laughs> we cover just that more. On the big screen. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I love how Jones Sam is... going through puberty. I love how Jones is just like, fuck, you've been angry lately, like he lives with me, you know? <laughs> yeah, you look like that. You look like that bloke who works at the burger joint on The Simpsons. How long can I take your honor? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Krusty Burger. Hello, Krusty Burger. Yeah. All right, like, share, subscribe. Thanks oh, for fun. listening. I was thinking about The Simpsons episode the other day where they talk about Mo when Mo gets the knife and he's like, I wasn't going to stab you. I was just going to cut you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about when he kills Alfalfa on that kid's show and he's banging his head yeah, on the yeah. gun and they go, stop, stop, he's already dead. <laughs> How'd they get away with that? <laughs> Lucky Alfalfa was owned by the studio. Stop, stop, he's already dead. <laughs> Let's, let's just run the intro and wing it like we always do and see what comes out of it. Mm, let's get ready to rumble! Mm. Front kick. Just getting pulled in the chat. My radar's going pretty hard at the moment, I think. Just... Will you shut, shut up, up man? That escalated quickly. We're going to need to get some more qualified guests on the show, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start the show, like, straight away on the attack. Like, oh, I'm just coming in on, on the on. attack. Are you going to attack us or yourself? I'm going to attack George. Because oh, fuck. Of course it's going to be me. <laughs> I mean, it's a positive outcome in the end. You lost your bike coming back from Australia for like three or four days. But you went to the Twitter. You went to the Twitter. He was okay, so, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was desperate. And I was fucking <laughs> conscious. But do you know what I didn't? Okay, I was very conscious of this because do you know how many times you see like, okay, the story is obviously I lost my bike coming back from from Cadell Evans race, trying to get back to New Zealand for the Nationals, right? And I was, I rang everybody, and there's no number. So I rang, like, Christchurch, and then opened the car, rang up everybody, rang in Qantas, and they go, oh, our backup surface doesn't exist anymore. Big debacle. We're going into, in and out of Christchurch Airport, staying in Christchurch, waiting for my bikes to arrive. And uh, the people there are like, oh, we can't get hold of Christchurch. They don't exist. Like, we can't get hold of Sydney. We can't get hold of – so you just at the mercy of when your bike shows up. And I just heard this horrific story from Michael Vink, my teammate, whose bike had gone missing and ended up in Manila. So I was pretty paranoid. And he got it back a month later and it was broken. So I was like, well, I'm not leaving us in the humble hands of Qantas. So I I did think about it for a long time because I was so aware of like, um, you know, that like every time like a celebrity, especially like low grade, like um, you see sometimes like, the absolute D grade of someone with like a little bit of a following though. Yeah. Thinks that that they're more affected when their bag gets lost than other people or their flight gets cancelled and they start doing these like 
this is unacceptable at yeah. Qantas. How is this? You know, and I was really like, like, do you remember when like the Belgian world's team didn't get like business class flights from, from like Canada to Geelong or something like that. And they took to Twitter to be like, we won uh, business yeah. like at Belgian Federation. Yeah, yeah. Like you just look like an absolute entitled fucking yeah. knob. So yeah. you don't want to do that. I was like really cautious of like not wanting to be like at Qantas. Oh, I've lost my bike. You've lost my bike. So like, I'm so affected. You guys. So I tried to be like um, diplomatic. Like, oh, can anyone help me out because I've lost my bike? You know, I tried to take that approach. Mm. Um, but but the in worst... the end, the effect was that everybody, you know, piled on and went, "Yeah, fuck you, Qantas. You've lost his bike." <laughs> and I'm going, "Oh, but the the <laughs> thing turns that out, the one that got me." Yeah, the, was when the tweet that got me was when you you finally got your bike and bag and you tweeted shout out to the internet well more the people on it for helping me track down my bike you legends when in past editions you have you have commonly oh, said that the worst twitter. people are on twitter i think twitter <laughs> yeah the lowest common denominator like they're just absolute pond scum and they got your bike they are <laughs> now he's got his bike he goes no no I'm not changing don't need I got what fuck I wanted him. <laughs> yeah. I hate them <laughs> um, yeah no, no sorry Twitter it's good is, that you got your bike Twitter anyway. is the worst place in the world but it was um, it was an effective tool but I did yeah. feel like a knob being like but do you know what's crazy story is this is the power of social media is one guy was like, yeah, my mate works as a baggage handler at Sydney Airport and he's a baggage handler on your flight. And he'll, mm. he just walked into the airport and goes, yeah, it's in a room. There's 150 staff short at Sydney Airport. So apparently there's just thousands of Shit everywhere. bags all around the world and I'm just lost. You just see these like horrific waves of suitcases just piling up in the airports around the world. And I was just sort of sitting there going like, I'm not getting my fucking bike back. Just, they didn't even know where it was. And I was like, oh, it's you to go back to Europe now, you know, not international, not just you know, it was just turning to this debacle. Um, so yeah, got a week to nationals panic training. I thought, I thought when Jules said, I'm gonna attack you, George, I thought you were gonna come back and say, Mate, hot, a bloke with two <laughs> whopping zits should just sort of stay in his lane. Like, what yeah. is going on? I don't know, I feel like a teenager again, eh? Mate, I don't, I don't know, man. You gotta be I've got like one of my forehead. Yeah. yeah, I got them everywhere. I'm breaking out. It's like prom night. They're like hives. Yeah, oh, this one's a bit because I've just been. Is this because you've stopped drinking? Is this a reaction? I think it is. Yeah, sober? must be. It's Body's like going a, into shutdown. Yeah, it's not used to feeling good, so it's broken out. <laughs> um, so how's the wash up from the Aussie yeah. summer, boys? <clears throat> summer. <laughs> yeah. Summer. Wet season. Oh well, yeah. Piss down for Cadells, but. Yeah, I I, how was it. the transition, Bills? I didn't know that. Sorry, I I didn't um know that you were going to be. I didn't see you at all, Jonesy. And I was looking out for you. Didn't see at the start. Nothing. Just assumed you didn't make it. And then I saw a picture of you just double fisting beers in the in the <laughs> VIP box. Yeah, yeah. Talk us through. What that was that about? How did you wash up from Canals Race? Well, I did see you before the start. It was one of those things where, like, I just literally blew in. 
um, to help look at the coverage on the Sunday. Uh, and then I was getting inundated with messages from people going, oh, I didn't know you were here. Like, Impy, you know, oh, I'll come down and have a beer if that's okay. And I was sort of like, you know what it's like when you're only in there for a short period in and out. And then I saw you, I was out the front of the OB truck where they do all the broadcasts. And I saw you go to the sign-on. And it was one of those yeah. ones where I just missed you. I was going to yell, GB, what's happening? Oh, and then you were, you you were too pissed because you were just well, double fisting free, free alcohol. <laughs> you had the game face on. And then um, when all my commitments were done in the afternoon, I said to – it was one of those ones where I'm happy that the photo was taken because I look like a mad dog. It looked like there's free beers and I'm just literally scooping them up because the race is about to finish. When really Stewie goes, oh, can you go grab us a beer? And I was like, yeah, sure, mate. So I went and grabbed him a beer, one for myself, and then got held up talking – to someone in the in the VIP, and then someone snapped it, but I was like, ah, fits the personality, okay, mad, mad dog. And also, I've talked a lot about premix cans on this show. It shows that I can actually drink beer, so I'm back. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're not just I'm a back. holy water drinker. No, you don't no. mind a Great Northern at times as well. Is that what yeah, it was? Great right. Northern, or was it Carlton? <laughs> no, some. There's so many boutique beer brands oh. in Australia now. Like whenever you go to the bar back in the day, it was like Carlton Draft, VB. Mm. That's pretty much it. Well, mate, if you go to I... a beer now and they go, oh, do you want boop, 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 and you go, mate, it's almost like those old ads where he goes, I just want beer that tastes like beer. Like, mm. I want the moment the, the moment wheels touched down in Adelaide on the 7th of January when I arrived, I, the first thing that came to my mind is like, I want a cold carton, Carlton draft. I love Carlton draft cold on the tap. And then Andy was like, oh, mate, you're not going to find that in Adelaide. I was like, yeah, that's probably a good point. Oh, well, I'll wait till I get to Cadell's. But I had to go all the way to the members stand of the MCG to find get a Carlton draft. Like I went mm. to the upper echelons of society, the members stand at MCG to get a Carlton draft. That should be just a mainstream. It's good to see the the MCG public are still keeping their heads. Well, it's funny people. coming from Spain where Estrella is like, you know, 80 euro cents a stubby. And mm. then you go to some bars in Melbourne and, you know, they go, we've only got Peroni or Estrella. Like the you know this boutique, like drops, and you go, jeez. I love how they. I love how yeah. the rest of the world pulls the Australia card, eh? Oh yeah. Like New Zealand's the same. Like it costs you an arm and a leg at the supermarket for this boutique Spanish beer, mate. It is bottom of the barrel. Oh yeah. Working man's beer. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But over here, it's like, ooh, sounds uh, boutique European. So. Yeah. Well, it's got two L's. They, they pronounce two L's as a Y in Spain. Yeah. <laughs> and it yeah. means there's always that one guy that drops the one guy that like traveled once like his OE when he's 21 he's like oh it's Barcelona yeah. you know like you know this is that guy oh 12 is actually oh I'm at the biggest flog in my time in Europe we went to a Barcelona football game and he was wearing an Aussie beanie behind the goals and he was sitting by himself and I thought that's weird and then we sat up next to him, and he's one of those guys that loves being the only Aussie in the stadium sort of thing. And then you could hear our accents, and his face dropped. And I said, oh, where are you from, mate? He goes, oh, I live in Barcelona, like with the his. He goes, what about you? And I go, I'm in Girona. He goes, I'm not aware of what that means. I go, Girona, <laughs> near Barca. He goes, oh, you mean Girona? <laughs> oh, it's just like fucking hell. There's gonna be I'm not aware of here. what that means. I'm not aware of what that means. Oh, Girona. I was like, no, you, you point can't. out that actually, as as Catalan, it is actually Girona, and and you know he should. Oh, go I wanted to pull the beanie over his head and just fucking get on with it, but yeah. Anyway, 
Swans. Uh, yep. <laughs> Nationals this weekend. Ah. Uh, Speaking of flogs, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good one this year, eh? It's in Tokoroa. Well, what it's, are you um, doing? That's going to go on. It's going to be. We're a good racing one around time. a forestry block in the rain. Yeah. With, How's this for the? Um, it's actually pretty interesting. If you can put it off, and it was, it'd be miraculous. Oh, yeah. No, nah, I, I won't pull it off because there's same situation as always, and there's no climbs. But. Um, mm. Yeah, but you said the we same. This, this is the same George doing. Bennett the year you won it. Like I've never mm. heard you go into a race going, "Mate, I am upski." I don't think time. it's the course. Mm. I don't think it's the course that will defeat you. I think even on a course like that, you're capable of winning, like you did in Cambridge. The thing that will defeat mm. you is that we now have a, for the good of cycling, we have a New Zealand Pro Continental team with like 14 riders on the start line. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be hard. Yeah, that, that, that'll be a factor. <laughs> Um, the attitude. interesting thing is it's on this like closed road, this forestry road. And, um, I was just looking at logistics of trying to get there and, you know, doing a recon and all this stuff. And you're only allowed to do recon on one day between like 12 PM and 4 PM on Thursday. And if you do it outside of that time, there's a, they said that there's, um, the forestry owners are there working. And if you get caught, you get a trespass notice and then you can't start the road race. So I feel like there's going to be a few DNSs on the start, or won't be on the start, obviously, because they'll be trespassed from the race. If you mm. if you don't slot into that one hour, into that four-hour window, it's your only time to run recon on the course. So there's going to be a few interesting um, hurdles. I'm also running, like, completely solo this year, you know. Normally I'd have a, you know, I have to, like, do my warm-up, put my own wheel in, that kind of jazz off the, mm. off the TT. Um Fill your own bottles up. Yeah, all, all in all, pretty, pretty pessimistic about it. But that's fine. <laughs> where are you staying? <clears throat> Rotorua. Same with well, you. Man to come over and be a helper. He'll give you a hand. Yeah, Kenny, you'll love it. That's a good idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he'll, he'll, he'll give you a handful um, of shrapnel to have on the bike just in case. He'll come in, come in the night before, <laughs> run a meeting and everything. Tactics. He'll do what you want. Yeah, you would. Maybe above running some kind of like, um, you know, driving along behind me in the TT and just throwing beer bottles over the road behind me. He's above nothing. He will do what you ask. <laughs> yeah, you can drive the work you, in the background. <laughs> have all tools falling out the back. It'd be awesome. No, but seriously, he'll feed you if you need a feeder or something. Somehow. He'll oh, awesome. anyway, no, probably. no, did you manage to um, behave yourself at Down Under and Geelong? You didn't get in in any biffos or nah? Now nah, I was very. I tell you what though, there was this horrific. Um, so normally, I remember when I was young, we used to finish Down Under, and it would always be like the same with the holiday races. We'd have a bit of a night out, and because it's Sunday night, it's like, there's only one bar open that's specifically for the Tour Down Under after party. And it was quite strange this year because I've never seen the entire peloton that was at the Hilton just transplanted to this, like, you know, so it was like 130 riders plus, you know, 100 staff, supporters, whatever, all just trying to fit into this bar that had a max capacity of about 30, <laughs> standing room only. And it was the same guys you've just been punching on with for a week. Mm. And then you're trying to have a good time. And it was just, it was just this 
I've never felt so uncomfortable in an after party in my life, I think. And it was quite good to see that there was some um, on-road scores that, like score settling that boiled over to the after party. Like I saw, a, you know, a couple of tensions boiling over, and it was, it was quite, it was, oh, it was yeah. like an interesting social phenomenon. I've I've just I've just clicked on to what you said about before the start of the show when you said there's a good story but we can't name any names and now I know I think who you were talking about. Oh yeah, but, no, that's a different story. But one uh, of the stories I wanted to tell you that one of the best stories I've heard in my career happened at Toy Down Under this year in terms of um, off bike shenanigans and I can't talk about who it was because I'd probably get in a bit of trouble for it. But there was a um, a situation where. One guy in the race, there was a crash early on in the race, and one guy had stopped, and then you see the road had filled, on, filled up in front of him, and he had stopped, and then about five seconds later, he just gets collected by this guy who just oh. failed to brake in any shape or form. Oh, no. Just hit him, a la, a la that Australian girl in in the women's tour that tried to hit the gap. Right. Do you remember that? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, but this guy apparently has, has his, you know, the new trend of the brake hoods sort of jammed in at, at 45 degree angles. So he, he couldn't really use his brakes effectively. So the story goes that the guy was, the guy that got hit was so fucked off that that, that evening he had gone down to the box, found the bloke's bike and straightened his hoods. Like at midnight. He went down at there midnight. Like, down at like midnight. Snuck into, into the, the bike area. Shut into the bike crew and got the Allen key out and straightened this guy's hoods up. <clears throat> oh, that's awesome. But then he went back to his room and he, and this, as the story goes, he spoke to his wife on the phone and then he got the guilt and he's like, oh, it's a pretty shit move. So he went back down there. He returned to the scene of the crimes. He went back down there to fix the hoods and he got that's when he got caught. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Got the guilt, and that's what cost yeah. him. Yeah. He went back to what fix, a legend, his, fix what he did wrong, and then that's when he got caught by the security guard. But like, they're gonna, they nearly kicked the, him out of the race. In the early days, like the post tour down under shenanigans were like, it's a completely different era, but like 20 years ago when the race wasn't like world tour, I heard a story, and I won't name names, but... One of the riders, it might have been like Chippo or one of the Italian guys had this like rare bike that was like, you know, had spots on it and it was like no one touches it or whatever. And anyway, this former rider got the shits up with how much they were molly coddling this bike. Um, He'd had a skin full and then he got nude and got on that bike and then rode through the after party, which was out on the lawn, like a Barney Gumble mood, like coming through. They just rode through and then got spear tackled by a security guard. And then there was like balls and legs and stuff going everywhere and got gravel rash and whatever, and then got carted off. But like round of applause, like the whole, everyone that saw it like erupted except the bloke and his mechanic who were just, you know, obsessed with this bike. <laughs> Fucking awesome. It was good to see a couple of young guys continuing the trend of, it's my first pro race. I'm going to get absolutely blind at the after party mm. and then potentially cast myself in this mold for the rest of my career. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's yeah. They're, they're like, I mean, I, I, you know, we were all guilty of the same crime, but it is funny how like 
at that age, when you're like really young, like my first down unders were always like that. It was like, right, this is, you, you just have no idea at that stage. You haven't developed the thought that like directors are still directors, even at 12 p.m. at night. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's still mm. the Peloton judges and watches, every, everything is seen. It's not like, oh, we're off the clock now. You haven't you haven't really worked that out when you're the Neo Pro and you're just coming into the after party launching. Like I couldn't think of a worse environment, like a, a, a like a more self-destructive environment to launch. But what an ex- it's such an excitable environment when you're a young first year pro, because you're like mm. you yeah, all of a sudden you're like having a beer with your like idols or your heroes in some ways. You know, you you know like mm. <clears throat> you're a young dude and you're like, oh man, that's um fucking who was there. Down under like Yatesy or something, you know, like oh, there's Yatesy, like you know, <laughs> could I talk to Yates? Introduce yeah. me to Yatesy, like that's so excitable, so you can understand it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It must give the <laughs> like, guys like, must give guys like Yatesy <laughs> the shit. So when it gets to that point in the night, I reckon that's when it's time to check out. When all the young guys come up and start, because you know what's like in your twenties, you go from being shit scared to talk to him to grabbing him in a headlock. And just giving him the old, <laughs> yeah, fra- yeah, bloody killed at that stage. You want uh, just Yates? He'd hate that shit. Yeah, that'd be his his yeah. Uh, Yates wouldn't mind it. He, uh, he's all good. It was uh, it was a pretty interesting like like start of the year in a way, like down under this year because the race was actually uh, like the dynamic was a bit different this year, and I I reckon. Um, a lot of it, like nothing personal, but was actually like Caleb Ewan's presence in the Australia team because like a lot of days there was just no breakaway and no mm. one fighting for the break because suddenly like the Australian team, which was always like young guys trying to get in the break, trying to show themselves whatever, was suddenly like they've got arguably the best sprinter in the world in their team. So like, you know, surely of course they can't go on the breakaway because you're working for this guy. But it made me wonder to think like, shit, I couldn't imagine that one rider's presence has ever changed it so much. You know what I mean? Because like, I mean, Caleb is maybe the best sprinter in the world at the moment or yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know. It was but one of them. Um, it was, not the best. It was a, yeah, it was a strange down under like that. Eh? Like in some ways it was quite a negative race because like the starts that had opportunities to be hard, like for example, corkscrew stage. It's a hard start up Norton Summit, 9K climb. Then it's like pretty twisty, up and down, like hard road. And then there's a bonus sprint at the end of that period after 25K or whatever it was. Like had Bling not dropped his chain the day before in Victor Harbour, that stage would have been completely different again because Bike Exchange would have Mm. kept it together for the sprint. So it would have made it for a hardest. And then it would have been actually quite a hard start. But they didn't need to do that because Bling had lost all that time. So they're like, oh, well, we just wait for the stage now. Like there was all this like, and then Caleb riding for the Australian national team changed the changed the fact that the Australian riders weren't going up the road trying to get the K- KOM jersey, and like all these little circumstances that kind of happened meant that every day was actually kind of a negative in some ways, like negative racing from the peloton. I also um, think like, um, and the unknown of the last stage maybe. Like, yeah, but also I think the unknown of everybody. You know, how many guys are like, right, this is my year, and they haven't. The race isn't hard enough for them to realise, like, nah, mate, it's not your year. You're still the same rider you were last year. You're still getting hooped. So everyone's still going, yeah, maybe this is my year. I'm not going to go on the break. I'm going to try and race from the bunch and, and get that top 10 on GC. No. St- mm. You know what I mean? You're still the same. Like, three weeks of good training in December, 
hasn't made you a like go for the breakaway. You know what I mean? But they, they haven't had their spirit crushed. They haven't had their morale crushed. Whereas like if you start like go start an Algarve and you get your head kicked in on day two, you go, oh, well, still not a GC rider. Might go mm. on the breakaway. You know what I mean? Like still too many guys had hope. <laughs> but <clears throat> I think it was like, I reckon that last stage, I I, I really liked, I think Stuart did an awesome job with the, with the courses here. I think it was a, a great down under with the, Addition of the prologue, I felt so bad from that it fucking pissed with rain the day the, pro, the when the prologue was on. Mm. Like, I've that was just the worst thing that could have happened to him, I reckon, because it's such a cool idea to have a prologue in the center of Adelaide, down by the Adelaide Oval, when the when the tennis is on, the cricket's on. You know that the crowd would be big for that prologue, generally, but then it fucking rained for that three hours that it was on. Oh, like, he oh. said to me that it was picturing like the sun setting because they'd done the recon and it had all these majestical shots. Um, and instead, the highlight were riders coming down that little bend and binning it. Yeah, on the road. like, and, and the then start, yeah. like that start bridge across the the walkway right next into the Adelaide Oval. Like that is that would be almost the most picturesque start of a prologue in the world. With the exception of that one, like in the Giro when you roll into the Coliseum or whatever, but like it's pretty cool. And then it just fucking rained. Well, Stewie said that he he went behind one of the riders and he had a guest in the car and they were talking about the course. He goes, "Ah, oh, no, it'd be fine. A little bit wet." And it was the first rider to bin it on that corner. And he's looked at the guest. He's like, "Uh oh, <laughs> like we could be in for some hot action." So, yeah. But it was all it was just all oh, like, guys from the same team that were crashing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they had like four guys but, in it. Yeah, they, they love pushing it on though. But I came around that last corner. I don't know how I didn't crash. Both wheels, lost both my wheels and and just slid. And then it, like at the last minute, it, it just caught like something and I popped up and I got to the finish line. And the, the worst thing was that we were sitting in the warm-up, in the warm-up area. And like, so our first guy was dry and I think our last two guys, definitely our last guy was dry. But everyone else in the middle was pissing with rain. And you just watched everybody come in as you're warming up and you got your headphones in, you're warming up, picked from the corners, you've done all the recon, and you're thinking, right, you've still got hope, you know? You've still got mm. hope. And you just think, like, everybody that comes in, you watch them all right in, shaking their head and going, fuck, that was slippery. And then another guy come in and covered in blood, fuck, that was slippery. And then, like, your teammate, one of my teammates came in, came up to me and was like, oh, mate, that's so slippery. And then so the time we get to the start room, all I've heard for the last 20 minutes is about how slippery it was and how many guys are binning it. And then you're like, right, we've got like Pinky Smalls through the earphones. I'm still trying to be pumped up about this. Take off, do the first couple of pedal strokes on that slippery bridge. Bike going left and right underneath you. And you just think, oh, I'll just go 20 seconds slower. Yeah. Um, well, what? I was, was going to say chapeau to uh... – Talking about Cadell's race, the uh, director extraordinaire, you know, coming. We're talking team. about Cadell's race. No, I'm talking about moving on. <laughs> Have we covered down under? Any other Biffo stories? Or? No, I just wanted to say. Oh, like, no, I just what about say, what do you think about Noxie's? Yeah, Noxie's disqualification. I, it's a lot to unpack in the, there, eh? And I still don't really know the story straight because what I've happened? I don't know anything people. about it. He crashed. He crashed and got what rubbed out. <laughs> Something's happened, boys. Fill in no, the you internet delays. I think just really the gen, <laughs> the general <laughs> the general idea of what happened was he crashed, and then he got assessed by the doctor on the side of the road for an extended period of time, which put him a long way behind the race. 
So then he was out the ass, like a long way out the ass. And then he got behind a feed zone car or something. Motor pace for a little bit. And then they took uh, him out of the race. I think that's the general thing. What do you, you know? do otherwise? You what, know what I mean? What? If you, you, you either do it, you either don't do a, a concussion check or you let him come back behind a car. Because at some point, guys are going to mm. go, right, everyone's going to, next time I crash and smack my head, I'm going to go, well, I can't get too far behind. And the doctor's sitting there going, oh, we need to check if you can count to 10 backwards or whatever. And you're going, well, yeah, that takes 10 seconds. And that's another, that's that's further behind the race I am. And then if I'm not allowed to come back behind the car, go oh, over. Sure. And I mean, at some point you need these these concussion checks. Like, we will crash and smack our heads. I mean, I heard a cry. <laughs> I heard a great story. I think I've probably told this on this pod before, but one of my old directors um, on Jumbo, he told me that when he was racing, he crashed, smacked his head really hard, jumped back up on the bike, started pedaling, and then the, his team car came up to him and finally caught him, and he's like, mate, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> riding, off, riding off against all the cars. I've heard that one. <laughs> um <laughs> No, I agree with you, George. If if the doctor is going to perform a, a, a medical assessment, whether it's a concussion test or any medical assessment on the side of the road, like I'm sure I'm not a doctor, but I'm sure to do a proper assessment, you need to do it like in a when you're not in a bike race because it probably takes quite a lot of time to do a proper concussion test. But if they, hence why they probably take rugby players off the field and put them in the sheds for 15 minutes and do a proper test. But if they're doing like an express version of it, regardless of how long it takes, if the doctor says we need to assess this guy medically on the side of the road before we let him continue, and then he passes that assessment, he's allowed to continue, then for sure you should be allowed to be taken back to the bunch by aiding yeah. back to the peloton. Because it's like, like you say, it's either that or it's, it's one thing, or otherwise the bike rider goes, don't fucking assess me then, I want to stay in the race. I feel fine, mm. let me go. It'd be interesting to know what they do I mean, with that test. Like, is it like the cops in America Fuck when they drink driving? Like say yeah. ABCs and I think fuck all. I think it. George nailed it. I I I think that to do a, a concussion test, you need to have. It takes a long time, and like I was talking to a doctor as, about it as well, and he's like, if you want to assess someone for concussion, you have to you have to pull them out of the race and assess them for concussion. You can't really do it on the side mm. of the road without without note like seeing the obvious. Of course, if someone's knocked themselves out and they're like fucking delirious, you know that they've got concussion or they've been knocked out. But to get to the finer details of it, like you just, it just needs time. You can't do it on the side of a of a road in thirty seconds. Do you know what we're doing now for um, concussion tests, or what we're meant to be doing, or where we will be doing? Is um, you actually have this app, and you so when you're not concussed, you you do like a response to questions, you know, and it measures like reaction times, it measures like how you'd solve a puzzle, things like that along that board. And then the idea is that you set a baseline score, like, okay, this is how you are standardly. And then when you've smacked your head, you, you, you're meant to do the test again and it can say, well, hold on a minute, you're, you're given different answers or your reactions are this much slower or your different thought patterns. And it can actually say like, okay, this guy's not right. Hmm. <clears throat> we had a guy crash on stage four and uh, hit his head on the, like you could see, like he broke his helmet. And the race doctor who I know, Dr. Fish, he was there. I don't know if it was him with Noxie or not, but he, on this particular day. But he was really good. Like, he basically was just like, he seems okay. So, for me, it's like we have to let him continue because he's not obviously 
knocked out or concussed or anything. He seems all right. But then he just assessed him like over the next period of the race. So he would make an effort to get him go and see this, see the rider again at the, the doctor's car. And, you know, just every 30 minutes just sort of checked in and then made sure and then came back to the car and made sure I was checking in with him. And eventually we we're like, hey, he's, he's fine, you know, but you could kind of just monitor it a little mm. bit at the same time as letting him continue the race. Rather than I thought, like you, I thought you were going to say, he seems okay, but he is going the wrong way. So can you just get on the radio? <laughs> he seems okay, but that's just him. Yeah. <laughs> Simple mistake. They all look the same around here in Adelaide. <laughs> He's still on his bike. He's riding. He's just riding the wrong direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything else down under? Nothing? I was going to say, like, chapeau yeah. to Bules. Like, you know, a team that was struggling for points. He's gone, what, third and fifth, loaded them with points to the gills and gone back to Europe, one of the uh, hot up-and-coming directors to the point where Simon Clark now has his own Cadbury's chocolate bar. Did you see that? What is? No, what is that? Yeah, they've got like a sportsman edition and we're talking about Tubby Taylor, Ash Barty. This is the sort of elk that he's in and they've got a Simon Clark one. And really? on the back, it has a story about Simon Clark's one of Australia's greatest cyclists and sportsmen. In 2015, Clark was behind a fellow Aussie competing in the final stretch of a road race when he noticed their tyre has punctured. Uh, even though they were on different teams, Clark rushed to his counter uh, countryman's aid, giving him a uh, spare will to help him finish the race. What they left out is Richie Port was... No, that, they've minutes. got that story wrong. That's the Giro when he gave a yeah. will to Richie. That's mm. right. In 2019. No, uh, it was 15. It was 15. Oh, it yeah. was. Yeah. Oh, okay. But Richie got penalized two minutes and his GC ambitions were over because of Clarkie's <laughs> will. They left that, they left that <laughs> part out. But the spirit of it was good. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I was at I'm that just race. trying to find out who else is on these sporting. Um, I'm trying to find out who else is, is in these, uh, you know, I mean. No, I've got them here. Adam Goods, Matilda, Sam Bloom, Ash Barty, Mark Taylor, Daisy Pierce, Cedric Doubler, the Wallaby, Simon Clark, and you can personalize them as well. So pretty. Oh, that's pretty what Clark has done. <laughs> yeah. He's just got a personal, just ordered one. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, nah, it was a, it was a solid effort though. Clarky, um, he's one of the craftiest bike riders oh. of our generation. I'd like, say the craftiest. Getting, yeah, getting every drip out of uh, his his cycling talent. He's he's up there. Has to be. Mm, I agree. Um, where are we vis a vis manscaped? Do we need to do some promotion? Talk about some. Um... Got the oh, shirts. Where's the shirt. Where's your shirt? Double XL. Wasn't that... Hang on. I was just muting. It's a double XL. Oh, I think no, I've got no, yours. No. I even had the undies on yesterday. <laughs> yeah, they're great. The undies yeah. are great. And also, no, I'll I had... What. I was just going to say... I'll tell you what. Yeah. delay. <laughs> I had a leftover no, tube of the body wash. What? Oh, I thought... Well, I no. said, I said to Topper, "Hey, <laughs> you take this body wash." And he went home, and I followed it up. I said, "How'd you go with the body body wash?" He goes, "Mate, it's one from one." I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Mrs. loved it." 
like got her in the mood and he loves Manscaped. Man, honestly, I put I, I use that Manscaped shampoo and conditioner two in one for the first time the other day. And honestly, I went in the shower and I've put it on and just the fragrance, like immediately I was like, do you know what I feel like? I feel like a, a, a man who's had a hard day at the lumberyard, you know, fucking chopping trees down, chopping wood. But I still come home at night and I make myself smell good and I take the missus out for dinner, you know, like a real man. Work hard, look after your own. That's what I felt like. I felt like Paul Bunyan. Remember Paul Bunyan, the dump, the lumberjack? Like that? No. Oh. It's unreal, the fragrance of that shampoo. It just changes the way you think. And you just need to clarify that it is in no ways linked to your acne outbreak. If anything, no. it's going to get rid of the no, acne No, it's getting outbreak. better. Yeah, it's, you should have seen it before I started using the shampoo. <laughs> it's like those people that have washed themselves for the first time, their skin like can't react and then it's like... Mm. Do you no. know the thing with Manscaped is like I would actually... Like it's always it's always a hard sell when you're like trying to say like, you know, we endorse this product because we believe in it. And people go, bullshit, you're endorsing it because they fucking pay you. Well, there's an element of that. But <laughs> the, re- <laughs> the, the, the reality is <clears throat> having used this, these new products, the two-in-one shampoo, the ball toner, I finally got my Weed Whacker 4.0. Like I finally got the um, like all the, the goods. And I actually would genuinely endorse these people I would buy it if I didn't get it for free. It's that good. Thankfully, we get well, it for free. Well, haven't we got but a 20% would... off code, Bules? Yeah, SDP20. It's the same code we used last year. You can go to manscaped.com, use the code SDP20, 20% off, free shipping. It's worth it. Honestly, it is worth it. Mm. In mm. fact, that's better value than the shirts and the caps. Why the is it on big screen? Fucking, why am I on big screen by myself? I was reading the, I was reading the script. <laughs> Just I, just, I just have a laugh. I've been reading these scripts in the background. These are fucking hilarious. We get these have a crack at one. Have, have, have a crack, crack at one, George. Yeah. All right. Put the tone. Okay, let's voice. start with it. But this says talking points. Do not read. <laughs> Newsflash, gentlemen. Valentine's Day is almost here, and as a, and by the grace of Cupid, our friends at Manscapes are coming to the best, coming with the best tools to get your boys downstairs ready for the special occasion. I'd like to propose making February 13th National Shave Your Balls Day. Who's with me? Get lucky this V-Day and join the 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. The leaders in below the waist grooming with our exclusive offer. That's, that's why now I understand why it says do not read. Because <laughs> like, I'm talking yeah. about making February 13th Shave Your Balls Day. Who's with me? <laughs> The best was when we, we so last good. time we did the promos, we said about the ear and the nose trimmer, how you could do it with your bum hole, but don't get the order mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised they came back. Oh, we well. should do a, um, like the listeners to do the best Manscaped read and send it to us. And then we'll give them a, like, Ooh, we'll, we'll then have to see if we can arrange with Manscaped to give them something. Well, the last time we did a competition with the listeners, <laughs> the best stories. I found that um, Twitter account, Bill's um, Fesshole, like on Twitter, Fesshole. you know, you get, well, they just tell stupid yarns. And like, <laughs> I saw one the other day that says, my mum once told me that if I didn't stop wanking, my arm would drop off like the drummer in Def Leppard. I believed her. I kept on anyway, and to this day, it hasn't happened. I mean, that's that's just gold. <laughs> just get on Fesshole, Twitter. Good luck for the Nationals, man. George. Thanks, mate. 
Get on with the old man. Yeah, well, I will. Yeah. Message. All right, fellas. All right. Sweet. It's been right. nice to be back. See you back in Europe in a couple of weeks, no? BB. We'll break the... Nah, it's going to be easier. We'll... See you in less than a week. See you in five days. Yeah, I heard it's terrible. Time, I heard the snow's coming. Yeah, the next few days is going to be garbage. The last few days has been like 20 degrees, and then the next three days looks garbage. Um, I finally broke 60 on four nails yesterday, Jonesy. I shot 58. Did you? Yeah. In nine holes. It's probably no, something off here, maybe. Move this to the, move this to the end of the show. Pitch, did, pitch and par, par three, par three course. Ah, par yeah. three, turn it up. But no, no, it was still good though. Three it's over. still good. Yeah, yeah. I was. I, nice. I only play. I play by myself though, so it's no one to verify that. Yeah, George is done. <laughs> All right, join you, George. Like, share, subscribe. <laughs>